You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 183 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on September 2nd. This is Vince. How you doing this week, Roger? If I were any better, I'd be naked with a can of whipped cream any chance. I'm trying. I, I'm, Seriously. I'm, I'm no longer well enough to do this episode. <laughs> I didn't say anything about cherries. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know where to go from there. I can be even more descriptive if you want. Seriously. (laughs) Stop me while you can. (laughs) So for this week's discussion, in a wonderful segue, because I got nothing for that. We're talking about the new Moon Knight series, uh, written by Warren Ellis, art by Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair. Moon Knight has always been a character I've been interested in, but very rarely have I actually liked his comics. <laughs> it's a it's a cool concept for a character. I actually really liked the uh, the 2006 series written by Charlie Houston. I was really getting into that, and it got canceled. Uh, a couple years ago, we got a relaunch from Bendis that I was not into at all. I just really didn't like his take on the character. But there's really two words you can get me to read just about anything, and those are Warren and Ellis. He just has a knack for capturing what makes characters interesting. And teaming him up here with Declan Shelvey turned out to be a fantastic choice. Shelvey's been an up-and-comer in the comic industry for a couple years now. Uh, I knew him best from uh, some work he did on Thunderbolts back when Jeff Parker was writing, and also the most recent Deadpool. But their collaboration on this comic was just astonishing to me. I liked it, but that's not to say that I didn't have issues with it. Most notably, the biggest thing, of course, making him all white, which I know is supposed to be like a visual gag kind of thing. But what happens is that it looks very much like everything else was shaded and colored and no work was done on him because it's not like he's white and black with shades of gray. There's no gray. It's basically white and black. And to me, that's that removes him from that universe. It, it doesn't make it seem as if he belongs there, which I know is a visual gag, but it, in my opinion, it doesn't work. I disagree, but I also uh, can agree can say that yeah that's entirely subjective like it, it it worked for me right not for me at all at all because again you want your characters to seem as if they're a part of that world even if in the you know a meta way they don't belong it as you're looking at it it should belong it should fit it should be in that world and this looks very much like again it's well, you know what I mean. It's it's yeah yeah. I it did not work to me for me at all. And what it it served to do was completely remove me from the story quite often, which is not what you want. And uh, and again, all it would have taken was make put some shades of gray in there. 
so that it didn't look like it was just literally the inking that had been done with no shading whatsoever. Because again, the the only shading you have is cross hatching and some for some shots, some but they're all black, and that's not how shading works on white. So it, it for me in that way it failed. Yeah, I, yes. Again, you're not incorrect, but personally, I liked the the yeah. the visual decision there. All right. Well, into the comic itself, and this was just a planned six-issue story arc from Warren Ellis, and they knew he was just going to come in, kind of reestablish the character, and leave it in a place where other writers can then pick him up. Because at, Moon Knight is one of those characters that over the forty-some years he's been around, his backstory has gotten immensely convoluted with warring personalities in his head. At, think at one point he was a werewolf i mean there's just he's carrying a lot of baggage around so this first issue it started off awkwardly with some exposition of having like this news reporter basically explaining all the bizarre stuff that's been that this character's been carrying around with him but all it serves is to establish that all that's in the past and we're gonna get to the actual plot line of the story in a minute but I loved how he brought in at the end, had this psychoanalyst come in and basically tells Mark that, no, that's all wrong. You're, you don't have multiple personality disorder. You just actually are possessed by an Egyptian spirit. And that simplifies so much of the character that in one issue, he suddenly made Moon Knight something more interesting to me because it was finally something I could grasp on from a character standpoint. See, I preferred it when it was a multiple disorder. I, I, it, dissociative disorder, whatever that's mm-hmm. called now. Um, I preferred that because it, it lent a lot more humanity to it and didn't just make it something that's out of this world godlike kind of thing. It was something that you can relate more to on a real level. And I thought that it also made it so that the darkness was a lot more gripping, a lot more suspense to it because of the inner turmoil of the character. When you wipe that slate clean and say, oh, it's just because you're possessed by demons, it's not as suspenseful. It's not something that you can look at and say, oh, this is real. This happens to people. People have to live with this kind of disorder. So to me, it really took away a lot. And the other thing, too, it was that it, it was a... It was a cheap way to just say, I'm wiping the slate clean and this is how it is from now on kind of thing until somebody else wipes the slate clean and I'm deciding this is what it is. So I personally didn't think that it was handled that well. Mm-hmm. Again, like this is such a bizarre conversation because I, again, don't disagree with you, but personally I felt the dissociative identity disorder was never handled very well by any writers and yeah but that's not to say that you can't get a writer especially of ellis's caliber who could have made it work well instead of just saying screw that we're going with this this is what it is and i think that if ellis had been on for a longer run than the six issues i would have liked to have seen him explore that possibility but again, knowing how the comic industry works and how writers have to pick up and put down characters, I don't trust very many writers, especially the incoming writer, to be able to handle that as well as someone like Ellis or a couple other writers probably could. But one thing that he does establish here 
is that Khonshu's identity is that he was the protector of night travelers. And that is really what this six issues of honestly completely separate stories is built around. And in our first issue, we have this guy, he's a slasher. And the reason that Moon Knight becomes involved is he's attacking people who are just walking home at night. And they really build upon that aspect of the character. For the first issue, it's pretty simplified. It's just, okay, here's your bad guy. Moon Knight goes and takes him down. And it was interesting. Like I thought it was a, especially a cool visual for the villain. But the the first issue was more built around the reestablishment of the character than the actual specific plot of the issue. See, this is going to be funny because <laughs> <laughs> we're going to disagree a lot. But I want to say right from the get-go that despite the issues that I have with these issues – I still enjoyed these stories, mm-hmm. but once again, it's you can still be critical of something for because they're your opinions. It's subjective. So again, I enjoyed these, but I had some problems with different things that were done, and that whole protector of people wandering at night kind of thing, I thought was corny as all hell. Like a lot of the 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 things, the issues that I had as well going forward were with the character when it was made to be so over the top corny that it would make Bruce Wayne look like a normal dude. You know, it, it was just way but over honestly, the top corny. I, I, that's how I would like Moon Knight to ah, be. See, not like if, if you're going to be the knockoff Batman to begin with, which honestly he's always been, go above and beyond with it. See, I think... See, I think there's a, a subtlety would have gone a long way, especially when you're looking at, again, going back to the dissociative disorder. If they would have kept that in, you can you can do a lot more subtle things with that that are a lot more entertaining than just over-the-top, corny, machismo, possessed-by-demons thing or gods. So, again, and that's a personal thing. Some people mm-hmm. are obviously you going to like it. But for me, it was the, the the whole premise of just the protector of those who are taken at night kind of thing was like, eh, that just doesn't that that strips away so much that we've seen in the past in other things. And I there are the things that we've read him in that I far preferred him in and like this yeah, not so much yeah as anybody who listens knows i always am for one of those gripping strong character driven stories but yeah sometimes i don't mind my comic book just being a comic book yeah so what did you think about the second issue the the sniper story where I, you really can't even say, you know, oh, Ellis wrote a great story because I'm sure he wrote a great framework. But this is one of those issues where Shelby's art and the pacing of the issue and the way the story was told was fantastic from it my was. point of view. It was. It was very, very well done. And that's the thing with all of these. Again, Ellis is a fantastic writer. And and I, I can't speak to too, how much control that the artist had. Obviously, they would, but I would imagine again, Ellis is laying out the how they want he wants the page to flow and everything like that. And so the the the, the pacing and everything in that story in all of them is fantastic. And that's where I keep going back to. And again, once again, personal opinions, but 
if if the pacing had been the same and he'd used the gripping elements of a dissociative disorder and not quite so corny, I would have fallen in love with this comic because the again, yeah, like you're saying, the pacing was great and each issue is in and of itself a, a small tale. And it's not like he's really even looking for that much character development. It's just explaining who the character is and, and throughout these issues. So like there were so many things that I really, really did like about that. And the pacing, yeah, is definitely one of those. See, and this is one of those cool things where now I can look back because, yeah, we knew Ellis was only on for, well, we didn't know he was only on for six issues. We knew he was only going to be there for a little small amount of time. So once it was announced that he was only doing six issues and uh, Brian Wood was coming in as the writer, Shelby wasn't just locked in for six issues. But he basically said, okay, if Warren's not doing the comic, I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> they they did develop a great rapport to the point where they basically are they're launching their own image series, I think, later this year. Well, where they enjoyed working together so much, they just immediately went and started up a new project together. When you look at the third one, where he dons all of the Egyptian stuff to fight the spectral ghosts, like that's where you can really appreciate the 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 the, the communication between writer and artist. Because holy crap, that was fantastic. Yeah, so much of the storytelling through the six issues is completely visual, yep. and for for a writer of Ellis's caliber to be able to not overwrite the series and let the art tell the tale. That is definitely a testament to how well they worked together. Yep. So I actually, again, I really liked the fourth issue where he's again, using the whole Khonshu concept of these people are being harmed in their dreams and while well, dreamers travel at night. So he goes to this sleep study and just the again the artwork where he's in this bizarre mushroom dream and the reveal at the end it again that was just a great issue <laughs> that one i while i did enjoy it was not one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh, there were again especially that one too i can't remember which panels but there were a few really grown worthy lines in that one i recall yeah, but then we get to the fifth issue, which I have to say is probably one of the best single issues I've read of anything this year. A girl has been kidnapped. Moon Knight has to go rescue her. That's the entire plot of the issue. From here, they just do a comic adaptation of The Raid. I was and I know, just going to say And that. I know you've seen the movie. Yeah. I've seen the movie. It's a great movie. But seeing it done in a comic format was just awesome. Yeah, that it was. And it was. I'm reading that and I'm going, he just ripped off the raid. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's not very creative, but I'm okay I'm with right it. I'm okay with it. Yes, it was very, very good. They they used the, the, the I don't want to say gag because it's not a gag, but the mechanic of that's where he rolls up his sleeve and then you see flesh color. <laughs> so, and it was like, uh, all that does is further prove that it's a, gag thing and that it shouldn't be there anyway but anyways i still liked it the one thing i really loved artistically about that issue is how realistically the violence was interpreted yeah when he's breaking a bone like the anatomy on that entire extended fight sequence was on point and again that is entirely a credit to shelvy as the artist yeah the 
only thing that I didn't like about this issue was once again falling on a corny, cliched scene where she says, your face, and he says, no, it's my mask. And she says, no, it's your face. And it's like, how many times have we seen that? The mask is the real face. I I hate that now. (laughs) Yeah, that that one... Again, in the moment, it was like, okay. But yeah, in retrospect, it's one of those. I, we've seen it enough times. But it's also balanced out by the constant reaffirmation of him being the one that he wants to see him. That he wants them to see him coming. And then just that speech at the end to that dude who was <laughs> yeah. crushed by the glider. Again, a great visual that tell them if they ever see me coming to run. It's It's just one of those things that it's corny. But again, for what I was getting out of this series, it worked for me because I, I, I just wanted that goofy corniness. And then we get to the sixth issue, which brings in the officer that we saw back in the first issue. And now he doesn't like the fact that, you know, Moon Knight is special. And we get into his personality of he's never been good enough for anything in his life. And he dons the mantle of a former Moon Knight villain, the Black Spectre. So he figures if he can take down the Moon Knight, then people will finally love him. Again, it's a small, quick, short story. Not huge in character development, but it just gives that little glimpse into the aspect of the Moon Knight character when uh, the Spectre is going around interviewing the surviving former associates. And they tell him that, yeah, the reason he uses automated cars and gliders now is because anybody who's ever gotten close to him has not ended up well, which is the absolute truth. Every Moon Knight comic I have read, everybody gets jacked up in one way or another. And it was that great speech at the end where he's talking about how both this new guy and the original Black Spectre, that they wanted the glory of taking down the Moon Knight. They wanted people to love them. And he comes out and says, people who love me suffer and die. I don't want to be loved. And that's why I always win. It's that edge to the character that he doesn't care what people think of him. And that's why he's successful. I just really liked that. I hated. I knew you were going to say hated. Okay, why then? (laughs) It's. It's, again, just like what we've been saying, it's one of those corny, almost cliche sort of things. Almost? <laughs> Seriously? Okay, fine. Almost? No, that, while that was definitely a lot of what I didn't like, this whole thing with this cop that all of a sudden becomes this homicidal maniac killing his wife, it was out of the blue, the, the little trying to explain why he's this way with the little panels of him growing up where he's always told he's not good enough. I'm sorry, but you're told you're not good enough your whole life. And then you make it onto the police force even, and you're a detective and you appear pretty normal up until then. In the few panels you're there only to suddenly learn how to throw darts like freaking bullseye so well that you're killing your wife off. It was terrible. I hated it. So we definitely had some mixed opinions about this. <laughs> it was bad. It was terrible. I hate it when they do that where a villain's backstory, and I'm air quoting here because people can see me apparently, is so flimsy that it's like, oh, he just finally snapped. Why? And don't give me this crap about this few things. That ain't going to make someone snap and 
kill his wife. And then the whole lines too, when he's taking out his wife and it's like, oh yeah, they're always alone. And then kill him. It's like, oh, come on, really? This was bad. Bad. So overall, your opinion on these six issues? Overall, still, the other ones, I did enjoy them. I did. It's one of those, God, I wish it would have been done different. I'm not going to say better, but mm-hmm. different for me. I would have enjoyed it a lot more if it had been more grounded and not so over-the-top cliched Punisher to the point, even at points. Um, but but it was still well done, and the pacing was phenomenal. And some of the stories, like that raid one, was like, holy crap. Just yeah. shows what you can do and how important pacing is to a story and that not all writers have got that in the bag. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to like in the series. I will admit that there are certain aspects of it that people won't like. I can't defend it. All I can say was that in the context of this story, I didn't mind a lot of the stuff, but I perfectly accept that things bothered you that didn't bother me. Oh, yeah. And, and, when, I, and when I say I'm, it bothered me too, again, let's put it in context here. It's a freaking yeah. con. It's not like I was wigging out. Um, the only one that did bother me the most was the last one, like we just said, just because it was, well, anyways. Um, but the other ones, it was like, eh, I kind of wish this was done differently. Eh, I kind of wish it was. There were a few eye rolls and groans, but not to the degree that we see in a lot of other comics. So overall, again, it was very good. And my issue with the art notwithstanding, it was only that decision that they made for putting in black and white. Art as a whole throughout was spectacular. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, really looking forward to Injection. I'm trying to pull up a release date right now, but it seems to have slowed down loading that page for me. But, yeah, uh, Ellis Shalvi and Jordi Belair are collaborating once again on their own creator-owned series coming from Image called Injection. So, again, taking these guys who did great work, April 2015 is actually when it's launching, and seeing what they can do unrestrained, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. All right, into what we've been reading this past week. Now that I have lifted my self-imposed ban, I've <laughs> gone back and looked at some of the DC stuff I've missed. Noticed I really didn't miss a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> there were only a few series I've been reading. Yeah, and of the few I was enjoying before I stopped reading, most of them have changed creative teams again to the point where I no longer care. <laughs> so, it, But I did catch up on a lot of the digital stuff, and I will double up on your comments about Batman Beyond and God, Injustice. I told you. Dude, did you read the last one? Yes. Oh my God. Don't mess with Black Canary, man. <laughs> well, no, the thing with the Green Lantern. Yeah. Well, it's becoming a Yellow Lantern. Well, see, that's the thing. I knew that was coming because he's portrayed as a Yellow Lantern in the game. Oh, so see, I didn't play was, the game. Yeah, that that wasn't a big uh, twist for me. Okay, well, it was I, for I me. knew that was coming. It was just a matter of seeing how he got there. It, well, it was freaking well done. Yes. It was freaking <laughs> epic is what and it was. The way it's written with Sinestro, Taylor just writes a great Sinestro, first of oh, all. Yeah. But the manipulation involved and the way that he twists Hal's way of thinking and Superman's as well, very well done. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean... Sinestro should be on par with 
Lex Luthor and Joker and all of those kind of things. And in a way, because of the um, intergalactic kind of stories that we get with him when we do get him, then it kind of feels like it. But I, I never feel like they give him quite enough. And and it's only when they do that you really see that in the right hands he shines. And and we need so much more of him. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, all, all together, and I really like how the art has improved as yeah. well. Like we saw back in the first season, first year, I guess they were calling it, the art was nasty. Like it was not good. And we've seen over the course of year two, the art has been steadily improving because they haven't been sticking exactly to a weekly release schedule. I mean, I know the last handful i think have come out weekly but before that they were giving it a little more time so i'm glad to see that i just hate that they're constrained by those awful video game costume designs in some cases although they did change harley yes they they brought her back to to an older look who is is freaking always awesome (laughs) but yeah i really enjoyed this i also checked out uh sensation comics which is the small little anthology comic they're doing weekly that's starring wonder woman and I only read the most recent one, issue three, I think it was. It was a fun little standalone story. I'm definitely not the uh, intended audience for it. It definitely skews a bit younger with some of the messages it wants to deliver, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, I, the one thing I do really like about it, though, is they've taken the uh, same approach Cliff Chang did in the ongoing Wonder Woman, and they're portraying her as a muscular – like she looks like an Amazon should look. She's not a Jim Lee – kind of fashion model look so that's definitely something that i can appreciate all right beyond that uh i also read guardians of the galaxy i was really looking forward to this issue where they finally after years explain what the heck happened to richard Ryder, and this is just a complete almost fan service issue for guys like me who read the old cosmic stuff and just want to know but at this point at this point in his career, Ed McGinnis is just churning out some of the best stuff I've ever seen from him, and he does not disappoint in that issue. Still have to see where the story goes, but it, I liked it. Cool. And then again, uh, Godzilla Rulers of Earth. <laughs> I've come to the point where I fully accept this series is nothing but fan service. Put a bunch of giant monsters on the page fan favorites, have them fight each other with just this barest hint of a plot to hold it all together. And I will admit, I am fully okay with that. <laughs> I, it's just, I'm such a fanboy for Godzilla and the assorted characters that if that's the type of thing you're into, this is definitely something you need to be reading. That said, what did you read this past week? Dude. <laughs> okay, settle in. <laughs> <laughs> saga Again, 22 this, this is one of those times where i left a few off my list because i knew you would. Uh, you figured yeah yeah saga 22 yes um we're finally getting into the separation of the parents kind of thing and further to your point that opening splash page ridiculous rest of the story good Yep. <laughs> That's what this is. And it's like, oh, what the hell? Come on. Now we're bordering at, on childish. At least childish. this was less offensive than the stuff. Yeah, it wasn't offensive. See. It was stupid and childish juvenile. But anyways, I loved that the king's head is this oh, massive yes. flat screen. <laughs> and what looks to be Niagara Falls on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, this was uh, 
this was good. It wasn't spectacular, but it was fun. And it's just, again, that progression of the story, the, the whole drugs thing. Of course, he, I mean, he threw groceries at her. Sure, but she's a freaking drug addict at this point. This whole leave, I'm taking care of the child without you. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're still a drug addict. I'm not leaving. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it was good, but nothing overly spectacular. Have you been reading any of the Wolverine stuff or you just don't care? At this point, I just wait for your weekly reports to tell me if I should or not. Yeah, well, honestly, very few of them are worth reading. Uh, Wolverine as Peeps is really no longer about the peeps it's all wolverine and 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 storm at this point but they go into the phantom x little world thing Mm -hmm. and that kind of a lot more years pass there than in the real world so they're in there for a bloody long time um kind of rebuilding the world that's there and and things like that and then eventually go back it's a story that we've kind of seen that kind of thing before and it takes away from the urgency of he's going to die because, right. and it doesn't tie in with the other titles where he's doing things, fighting Sabretooth. And like, I mean, you read Wolverine and he's like fighting Sabretooth tooth and nail and you read Wolverine as peeps and he's chilling out with uh, storm. <laughs> I've been taking her out on a date. It's like, hold on a second. How can you reconcile those two? They can't be happening nearly at the same time even. Well, it's like one of those things like in Avengers, they have this ongoing plot line tying in with original sin of basically Captain America finding out about the Illuminati. And it's just been this long story about Captain America where in the actual Captain America comic, he's been like 90 years old for the last four months. (laughs) So we just have to accept that they're taking place at different points in time. But if you read this, they're not. This is like happening. And again, you have this thing, the the decision to make it so that they go in this little world where they live for hell. Is it like it's months that they're living? Yeah, five months at the last bit. And I'm scrolling to see if it's even longer than that. Nine months that they're in this world and eventually turn back to go one year. Yeah, so they're a year. They spend... In their reality, a year there, whereas in the actual reality, it's only a matter of minutes kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But that breaks apart the whole urgency of he's going to die. He just spent a year with Storm chilling on a beach. (laughs) So it's like, all right. And then the whole thing with um, in Sabretooth was, or in Wolverine, was beaten down on Sabretooth kind of thing and where the story is going from there. It it was kind of a cheap ending to the fight, kind of ridiculous. And then there were a couple of short stories at the end, which I mean, one of them's about a freaking bar for superheroes, which kind of didn't interest me very much. The other one though, I liked because it was the alternate take on what would have happened if Wolverine had accepted that, whatever that nanite juice thing was, mm-hmm. kind of thing. If he had, what would the world have turned to at that point? And in a hint, not good. <laughs> <laughs> so that I enjoyed more, but the other one was kind of crap. So, so yeah, this this whole again, it's not like it's the first time he's he's died. 
He's died a great many times. He's lost his healing factor a great many times. But if you're going to make such a huge deal about this, I think it should have been better handled. It's This is really not much of an event that I could care less. Um, oh, 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 all new X-Men. Yes. <laughs> it has my attention. No kidding. <laughs> Because <laughs> this, I because I'm reading the first. Did bit. you know this was coming? No, I didn't. Oh, okay, so I'm reading the first bit, and I'm going. Hold on a second. Look back at the cover, and I'm back in. I'm going. This is the Ultimates universe. What the hell is going on? And then I was like, Oh, this is going to be fun, <laughs> <laughs> and it was. So yeah, this was awesome. I and this is why I did actually read the freaking Ultimates, which the one that I read. It still hasn't gotten caught up to that story, so they haven't merged it over yet. It's still the stupidity of the crew, and I didn't enjoy it. But at least they got a better artist. And really, this is one of those things where I stay like tied in with all the breaking news and stuff. So I know everything that's going to happen months before it actually happens. So it's nice to see like your childlike surprise when, <laughs> childlike? when these reveals finally come around. <laughs> well, that's what I love about it though. And that's why I don't go out and read it because when you're reading it, then it's like, Oh crap, look at that. And so, yeah, this was awesome. It was a, it was the all new X-Men one. Really fun issue. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, lastly, I got caught up on, because I'd fallen behind, I'd read a few issues, but I'd fallen behind on the Mass Effect Foundations. Oh, I haven't read any of it. So this was for, uh, it was a 13-parter. You, you might, well, no, I, I shouldn't say that. You would enjoy it. And I say that because I know that you really enjoy the games. So you would enjoy because of that. Now that said, this is kind of weird because... I don't know if this is supposed to be a setup for the the, the next installment of the game. Right, because when the series launched, that game hadn't been announced yet. Yeah, so, and I we still haven't been told how far in development even it is, or who's going to be, because they keep saying it's not going to be Shepard, Commander Shepard, who's going to be the central character in the next Mass Effect. However, big spoiler warning here, folks, this entire 13-issue strip revolves around a clone of Shepard that Cerberus builds before they get their hands on the actual Shepard corpse. If you, if you people haven't played the games, then this is all mumbo-jumbo to you. Like, but what is this guy talking yeah, about? But it makes sense to anybody who's played the games. Um and the games are, are incredible stories and incredible characters, so it fits, and that's why this is so engaging, because it's a continuation of that story. But in, in a lot of ways, it's not really the continuation. Like, each issue is pretty much recapping all of the characters that you have as your companions. So it gives you some backstory that you may not have known already, some of which wasn't in the games. So it, it was kind of fun in that regards to go back. And it was done well enough. Well, it's written by Mac Walters, who's lead writer for Mass Effect. So it's done well enough well, that it, the third one. it makes me want to play the games again. 
<laughs> it's that good. And it's like, oh, man, I miss these people and these stories. But going back to my point, in this, Cerberus decides that they're going to, because they, they initially can't get their hands on Shepard's corpse, which they later reanimate, rebuild and reanimate, um, they're going to do the next best thing and build a clone of him. So they are working on this clone, putting as many different things into it that they can, information about him as a person, all this different stuff, and kind of make him a little bit better. But then when they get their hands on the, the actual corpse, then they abandon the clone and they're going to get rid of the clone. However, a central character in the miniseries kidnaps it. Steals it. I don't know if it's a kidnap, if it's a clone at that point, it's not done. But anyways, steals it and basically is running off saying she's just going to make it bigger, better, stronger. So you have to wonder because this is now, this is just finished. Is this trying to set it up so that the next Mass Effect game is in fact going to be a shepherd, but you're going to be playing as a clone? Don't. Don't you dare, Bioware. That, exactly. That would be such a freaking cheat and slap in the face. It would be terrible. But, I mean, again, this, is, this isn't this is some freaking nobody who wrote this. It's Mac Walters. So, no doubt working. I don't know if he's working on Mass Effect 4. One would only assume he is, but I'm not positive. So, again, if this is a setup where they're... Letting on that, yeah, you're going to be playing as his clone. I would be so freaking disappointed. But it's a possibility. Whatever you do, don't tell Hoogs. Yeah, God. <laughs> I don't need that ranting. <laughs> That's it for me. All right. Well, this week's new releases. Marvel has an absolutely huge month, or month, week. So this is my pared down list for them. We have Black Widow, number 10, Captain America, number 24, The Death of Wolverine, number one, Iron Fist Living Weapon, number six, Original Sin, number eight, Rocket Raccoon, number three, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, 15, and Uncanny X-Men, 25. From DC, we have, they're kicking off their Future's End Month, which is fast-forwarding all of the comics you're not reading five years into the future, so you cannot read them then. We also have Batman Eternal number 22 and Justice League number 33. You can tell I'm really excited for that gimmick month, huh? <laughs> From Image, we have Nailbiter number five, Southern Bastards number four, and Tech Jacket number three. From Dark Horse, apparently I missed something very important back in June. Because coming out this week, we have New Lone Wolf and Cub Volume 2. What? That is the official sequel from Kazuo Koike. Holy crap, how did I miss that? Well, Volume I don't one follow came news. out some point in June. We have to look back and see who was in charge Ooh. of that episode. <laughs> okay. And then from Valiant, we have the death-defying Dr. Mirage number one, which actually does look very interesting. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. So until next week, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>